your parents know that you listen to the evil rock music. You're an American teenager, for God's sake. Welcome to Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. I'm Melissa Olson. Episode 115, One for the Road. Today, we'll discuss the soundtrack of Season 1, Episode 15, Christopher Returns. We'll welcome father-daughter guests, Sydney and Christopher Barnett. And we'll finish up with the weekly segment, Spinning in Stars Hollow, where I offer recommendations based on what we heard and what was referenced in today's episode of Gilmore Girls. So grab your Luke's mug. It's time for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. music references in this episode, and the cut that's on Netflix leaves out the only commercial song that the majority of the internet insists was used on this episode. It doesn't appear on the DVD version of season one either, but apparently, when the original episode was broadcast, it included the song Need to Be Next to You by Lee Nash. Lee Nash is probably best known for her role in the band Sixpence None the Richer, and their cover of the song We Hear during the opening scene of the Gilmore Girls pilot, There She Goes, by The Laws. The Sixpence None the Richer version of There She Goes went to number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100, where The Laws version only peaked at 49 on the same chart nine years earlier. just a year after the release of Sixpence on the Richer's success with There She Goes and Kiss Me, Lee Nash sang the song Need to Be Next to You for the movie Bounce as a thank you to Miramax for their use of Kiss Me in the movie She's All That, which brought the band into the public eye. Need to Be Next to You was written by Diane Warren, who has written many popular singles for artists such as Faith Hill, Leanne Rimes, and Aerosmith. Nash still maintains an active solo career, releasing her latest album in 2015. The State I'm In is a more traditional country album, hearkening back to her roots as a young musician from Texas, who began learning old country songs on the guitar at the age of 12. The album reached number 39 on the Billboard Top Country Albums, and The Guardian named it number four on its Top Country Albums of 2015. Other than this elusive song from Lee Nash that we don't actually hear on Netflix or the DVD version of this episode, all we hear as far as music is the crooning cues of Sam Phillips during scene transitions. We do have several music references, however, beginning with this scene at Friday Night Dinner. I know one thing for sure, you certainly have your father's musical talent. Oh, wait just a minute. What? Mom, neither of these two have any musical talent. Hey, I play guitar. You know the opening lick to Smoke on the Water? And I've since mastered the opening lick to Jumpin' Jack Flash. I'm a Chuck Berry man myself. <laughs> Something wrong? I, I would never have guessed that that last sentence would ever come out of your mouth. And why not? 
Chuck Berry? Yes, Chuck Berry. He was all the rage when I was in school. Uh, so we're talking pre-My Dingling? I believe I am. Do you remember when the two of you were, what, 10, and you put on that adorable show for us? What show, Mom? Lucy Schroeder, you laying on the coffee table. You pretending it was a piano. God, why is that remembered? Because it was such a wonderful production. I don't know if it was a production, Mom. It was just one song. Supper time. <laughs> Did you write that? That was really very good. Dad, that's from You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. It's a famous musical. Well, I, I thought Christopher might have written it. He's a very talented man. It's always amusing when the cultural references of Lorelei collide with those of her parents, especially when the perspectives on those references clash. The differing opinions on standout songs from the career of Chuck Berry really highlights the generational gap between Lorelei and her parents. Contrastingly, the gap between Lorelei and her daughter seems almost non-existent. It does seem odd that Lorelei's parents wouldn't know the song Supper Time from You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, though. Considering the popularity of the two different television specials based on the musical aired in 1973 and 1985, Richard and Emily may be fans of more somber entertainment, but the inclusion of Suppertime in this scene is pretty funny, considering this line. So, what's wrong with making mealtime a joyous occasion? It rarely seems that Friday night dinners are fraught with joy, but this dinner in particular is about to be filled with so many emotions that oppose joy. The dichotomy between the childhood memory being discussed and the feelings Rory experiences upon meeting her other set of grandparents is very stark, and the inclusion of this song is quite clever. Amy Sherman Palladino never disappoints. Jumping ahead a bit in the episode, we come to another reference that highlights the backstory of Lorelai and Christopher while they are in the middle of an argument about what their relationship should be moving forward. She's my daughter, too. More like your playmate. You know, I don't deserve that. I'm as mature as you. What? The Offspring is your favorite band. <laughs> so you're into Metallica. Well, Metallica is way more substantial than The Offspring. Here we go. It's the same Black Sabbath riff all over again. Oh, The Offspring have like one chord progression. Uh, they use it over and over. They just pop on new words and call it a single. And I don't want to talk about this anymore. First off, make note of the tone here and just how mature it is. Not very. This is the tone Lorelai and Christopher often take with each other throughout the series, hearkening back to their high school days when they were dating, and then consequently had Rory. This tone takes on a heightened meaning when we hear them arguing about something so insignificant as which band is better, when they have so many more important things to discuss, but clearly are avoiding those topics. Why not debate the merits of two bands from Southern California formed in the early 80s when you should be talking about the future of your relationship? Dad wants to know if you'll reconsider. She says, nope, Offspring sucks in Metallica rules. Fair enough. My guests this week are a father and daughter, and this will be the daughter's third time appearing on this podcast. She has been my roommate for over a year and has been so supportive of me as I began Gilmore Girls soundtrack that she agreed to be on the second episode, when I barely knew how to use the software, let alone try to edit an hour-long interview into a cohesive five-minute segment. Yes, I'm talking about Sydney Barnett. She's decided to move to Oregon to be closer to her family, a theme that resonates with this episode. Her dad has had a big impact on her musical tastes and was glad to fly out here to jump in a car with her to drive across the country to her new home. But before they left, they agreed to an interview with me. So here's Sydney Barnett and her dad, Christopher. Okay. So I, you know, I am a dad and I'm a Christopher. I don't, I do not have a motorcycle. 
I have never been really a car guy. My biological father is all about switching engines out, swapping out engines, putting carbs on things, and flangers, and, and uh, wings, and flames, and but not me. But I always liked the weird cars. And the first time I ever saw a Pontiac Aztec, I thought that this car was driving down the road backwards. And I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. This is like Moon Rover from that video game, Moon Patrol. So I did end up getting one of those just because it was so odd. But then that followed me. Any cars that were a little bit strange like that, I was always attracted to it. So I feel like throughout the years, this kind of impressing the value of a strange looking car versus perhaps good mileage, good miles per gallon, etc. Kind of for, yeah, reliability, kind of forfeiting Safety. those more pragmatic things for aesthetic choices definitely has affected me in how I now view my Honda Element, which is my favorite car ever to exist because of purely aesthetic things. For instance, the fact that you can lay the seats completely flat and look out the moonroof. It's just plastic. Love the plastic. So you would you would you would choose like a Nissan Cube over a Ford Mustang. Without a doubt. Yeah. So it's you, just weird. It's like art. It's like art on wheels. It's like art on wheels. Cuz you don't think of cars as being a, a place of artistic expression, but it can truly come from anywhere. So yeah, I uh, tricked Sydney into believing that uh, Honda elements are cool. They are cool. They're the best car. There's so much room for cargo. If you like to drive a box, there's a Honda element. It's plastic on the inside and on the outside. Ooh, that's cool. Very cool. Burn some dust here. Eat my rubber. <laughs> Dad, I think what you mean is burn rubber and eat my dust. Whatever, Russ. Whatever. Anytime you try to do the cool thing, I think of doing that cross-country family trip. That's, you know, this is America. That's what you do at least once in your life. You take your kids on that cross-country Griswold vacation. So we planned that in 2013, 13, 14. Yeah. We were going to spend Christmas with Santa. Monica. Yeah. Uh, so we drove all the way to Santa Monica. The idea was to be there by Christmas Eve and spend Christmas Day there. Speaking of Christmas trees, kids, can one of you tell me what the first kind of tree displayed at the White House was? Dad, they're back. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of things. There are like a lot that, of like things. Really we bizarre. can always like, tell if like, you were okay, telling the truth by looking at your forehead. Yeah. And also, okay, I just remember this really vivid memory. I was playing with my dollhouse and you were getting ready for work and you were leaving for work, but before you left, you gave me a coffee bean for my dollhouse. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this amazing bean. And I named it Barbie Darn. And it lived in my dollhouse under the staircase. Barbie Darn lived in the, and like, I thought it was like the coolest, like, wow, I have my own coffee bean. Barbie Darn. Barbie Darn. I have a million Barbie Darns but, but, at my work every day. But every time you see a coffee bean, you think... Barbie Darn. Barbie Darn. Also, you told me that thumbtacks were called Pepe's. Pepe's. Pepe's, and Pepe's are very sharp and you don't touch Pepe's. So there's this band that's been around forever, and I think I first learned about them through the Dead Milkmen. 
and this band is called the Shags, and they're a sister band from the '60s who kind of created their own style of rock and roll because they were naive to the real world of rock and roll, and they did a really good job of it, and became a cult classic in in the meantime. Their biggest song is called "My Pal Foot Foot," mm-hmm. and they have an illustration of their cat Foot Foot, which the song is about. And it's just this weird, iconic illustration. It's iconic because it's the shags. It belongs to the shags. So when it came time for Sydney and I to get our daddy-daughter tattoos after we moved apart, the shags, my pal Foot Foot, was at the top of the list. Foot Foot is just like this really crude rendering of a cat and it just looks like a lump with like legs and a tail and a lot of people ask me what it is but it is very, it's very very meaningful as you said and I liked how you said when it came time for us to get our, our father-daughter tattoos as I feel like it, it always comes time at a certain point with every father-daughter pair like you know it's like a rite of passage like you gotta, you gotta get, get the get tattoos the like when kids lose their first tooth, like it comes time for them to lose the tooth, like it came time for us to get our tattoos. Yeah. So I really feel very grateful and very privileged to have a really good relationship with both my mom and my dad because I feel like I get very different and very important things from both of them just through my relationship with them and through the kinds of advice that they give me and through the experiences that they've each had separately that they can share with me and that I can learn from. And I know that, you know, Rory really has this amazing closeness with her mom and they share so much together. And it's very obvious in this episode, especially that she wishes that she could have that with her dad. And I feel like that's something that's really common with, you know, a lot of families. It's not always very easy to have a close bond with both parents. Um, so I obviously feel very, very lucky that I do get to have that and that I can kind of share my time between two people who love me very much and who I understand and who I feel like understand me really well as well. I feel very glad that, you know, my dad's in town right now and I'm moving away, which is sad, but I'm glad that when I leave and when he leaves, we'll be leaving together rather than one of us leaving the other one behind as Rory will have to do with her father. It's time for Spinning in Stars Hollow, where you'll get recommendations for songs you might enjoy based on music we've heard on Gilmore Girls. You can always find these songs on the Spinning in Stars Hollow playlist in the show notes for each episode at gilmoregirlssoundtrack.com. This week, we didn't have much to go on, so I gave Sydney and Chris the opportunity to share some songs that mean a lot to them and their relationship to each other. First up, Sydney recommends an entire album, 1978's Akron Compilation, which features Slide from Akron band The Waitresses. (laughs) 
So I chose the Akron compilation, the one with the burning rubber scratch and sniff cover because I am getting ready to move out of Akron and Akron is a really special place to me and I love all the wonderful music that comes out of Akron and all the wonderful art that comes out of Akron and I thought that this was a really good way to honor that. So yeah, the comp has like a lot of really iconic Akron bands like the Rubber City Rebels and the Waitresses and the Bizarros and many, many more. So yeah, that is why... Is Tin Huey on there? Tin Huey is on there. Ah. So it's cool to see a comp with like so many bands that you hear. It's almost like legends, like things that happened in the 80s. It's almost like they happened yesterday for a lot of people. And I really appreciate that. I definitely think that Lane would have this album under her floorboards, not only because it is a piece of punk rock history and it is an integral part. I might be biased because I'm from Akron, but I do believe it's an integral part of punk rock history as a whole. I think Lane would appreciate that influence, but also just for the sheer bizarreness of the, of the album. I think that she would appreciate how uh, eccentric of record it is. Next, we have Christopher's recommendation, Like Girls, from The Blow. He wants to talk to you because you're a girl and he likes girls. We all So years ago when Sydney was very young, you know, we always listened to music together quite a bit. We had moved to Columbus and spent a lot of time in the car back and forth to Akron. We went through a big twee period where we listened to a lot of Magic Marker bands, K-Record bands. Now, but The Blow was one of those bands that would come up and I'd listen to these bands at work and I'd never heard them. And those became kind of like family favorites. So years later, Sydney and her sister's band got to perform with The Blow at the Grog Shop in Cleveland. And that was like this moment when fantasy or the, the distant rock and roll heroes from Olympia, Washington actually became a part of your life for a night. I flushed my powder pink handgun and I walked right through, walked up to you. The last recommendation for this week fits into the world of Gilmore Girls, as the group is referenced several times throughout the series. Coincidentally, my dad played a big part in introducing me to this group. Here's Daydream Believer from The Monkees. The six o'clock alarm would never ring But it rings and I ride Daydream Believer was composed by John Stewart, known for his time with the Kingston Trio. The song was originally recorded by the Monkees, with Davy Jones singing lead vocals. The single hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in December 1967, remaining there for four weeks. It was the Monkees' last number one hit in the United States. I'm Melissa Olson. 
thank you for joining me this week for Gilmore Girls Soundtrack. To read the show notes, find the playlists for the complete Gilmore Girls Soundtrack and Spinning in Stars Hollow, visit GilmoreGirlsSoundtrack.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. To the blimp. To the blimp. The Goodyear blimp. The Goodyear blimp. Don't get it twisted. the blimp behind you. Until next week, pour another cup of coffee and cheer up, Sleepy Jean. Yeah.